somebody that didn't believe in any anything necessarily universal other than maybe some sort of like uh, energy or order that kind of rose sporadically or, or un, and in some unexplained way well, would you just be asking them to describe this this different contrast of order and disorder that appears through evolution I admittedly have a, a somewhat distorted view of, of atheism because I consider myself an atheist at one point. So to me, it represents a part of the path on the way to God, is considering that there is no God. Yeah. My brother used to say all the time, as a joke, I'm an atheist, I swear to God. <laughs> in my specific experience, it was pretty simple. It was because I was in an area that proclaimed that God was a certain thing that I didn't agree with, and... So for myself at the time, I was weighing, weighing it linearly, saying either there is this thing that's been described to me, or not that thing, and said, okay, well, not that thing. And it didn't occur to me that God did exist, it just wasn't in the form that it was being described to me. It seems to come down to, in all philosophical arguments, if there's sufficient evidence, and, you know, you reach a certain point, you think, well... There's sufficient evidence to believe that there is something. There's sufficient evidence to believe that there's not something. And then in another light, there's not sufficient evidence to believe anything. If there, if there doesn't seem like there's sufficient evidence, it seems like it's more natural to side with not believing, but then you, you're suggesting that there's sufficient evidence to not believe. I mean, it, it's not, it can't really be proven. I mean, you can learn a lot by arguing both sides in philosophy, and it's very interesting but still people tend to follow their deepest roots. Everything that I see leads me to this visual. I look around me and I, I really keep seeing that people, it looks to me like it's quite possible that everything that everyone believes is just a condition of what they've experienced. Religion has actually convinced people that there's an invisible man living in the sky who watches everything you do every minute of every day. And the invisible man has a special list of ten things he does not want you to do. Not want you to do. Not want you to do. And if you do any of these ten things, he has a special place full of fire and smoke and burning and torture and anguish where he will send you to live and suffer and burn and choke and scream and cry forever and ever till the end of time. But he loves you. But he loves you. He loves you. Religion takes in billions of dollars, they pay no taxes, and they always need a little more. 
Now, you talk about a good bullshit story. Holy shit. I'm an atheist, and uh, I was at an early age. In synagogue one day, I'm in temple, and uh, you know, I'm like, whatever, 12 years old, and I'm listening to this stuff, and I've been going since I was a kid, and I'm like listening to this, these stories from the Bible, the, or the Torah, you know, and, uh, and I'm looking around at all these adults, I'm like, you don't, you don't really believe this bullshit, do you? Do you? Are you serious? Angels dipped blood and took us firstborn? What? what? There was a plague. God put a plague. This is crazy. This is nonsense. I mean, we're the unicorns. I've read large parts of the Bible, and I will say honestly that the Bible truly is one of the funniest books I've ever read. I mean, just the first six pages. I mean, that shit is like, that's the most D&D &D bullshit crazy shit. And then uh, the all-powerful things swoop down and send a plague of frogs upon all the heathens. Like what? What are you doing? Let's give them more powers. Let's roll the die. <laughs> and then he was dead for three days. Then rose up to heaven. Realized that the Bible was written thousands of years ago when people even dumber than we are today. Go outside, wait till the bars empty out, go home, watch Fox TV. Watch Fox TV. Watch, 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 watch Fox TV. Scientists with their theories and their facts. That's nonsense. Everybody knows it was a talking snake in a tree. I don't think, I don't God, think is. God is. It's that simple. I was raised in a religious cult where I was given religion 24-7, 365. Everything that I did had to be viewed as to whether it would not only annoy God, but annoy my fellow brothers and sisters or, uh, or present uh, anything negative to the, to the world because the world was a bad thing. And I escaped it when I was 20, went out and, and started looking for the truth. Now, this is actually, you mentioned the, what I said about the truth on my site, The Facts, which was called The Facts as the antidote to the, the, the truth. The religion that I grew up in, which was Jehovah's Witnesses, refers to their religion as the truth. As in, is he in the truth? Is she in the truth? Have you helped bring anybody into the truth? Oh, he fell out of the truth. So I don't even like the word truth. I like the word fact. Give me the facts, and I can figure out I the truth, for, out myself, the truth myself. for myself. And anybody that claims to have the truth, and you can hear the capital letters when they say that, uh, immediately, immediately kicks up my bullshit meter. And it's like, okay, give me the facts. And what are the facts when it comes to God? Well, let's see. Which God are you talking about? 
There's over 10,000 that men have worshipped throughout history. When I got out, I was looking at what's come to be called the desert god, you know, the god of the Bible, of the Jews and the Muslims. I just couldn't find any evidence for his existence. But before I reached that point, when I looked at his behavior, particularly in the Old Testament, he was a dick. I mean, he was just nasty. I mean, he was he he supported slavery and genocide and rape. He was he was just totally inconsistent morally. You know, he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah for immorality, but then uh, blessed Lot when his daughters were getting him drunk and they were having incest to the point of getting pregnant. None of that fit. None of that fit with what I had been taught God was. We talk about unconditional love, you know, it, and it's that's wrapped in with a lot of teachings of Christianity and stuff. It's in the Bible. I, I guess it's probably in different cultures. I don't know. But I don't really know if that exists so much that it is maybe like a goal to be Christ-like. I guess everyone just realizes we can't really do it. That's just something you could aim for if you wanted to. Unconditional love. You were brought up under a Christian umbrella, and I noticed with a lot of people who, who are, even those who are not, just being in, in, uh, in a Western culture like the United States, where we have this, uh, this pseudo-Christian background, and it's an ethos that kind of permeates everybody's mind in some way because, because of our, our cultural background. And, and so, you know, you mentioned trying to be Christ-like, the idea of the Christ consciousness, the unconditional love, and that really is something that, that is part of most traditional religions, uh, Buddhism, is, is very much the same thing as far as the unconditional love and uh, Judaism, Christianity, uh, Sikhs, Muslims, and I and to a certain degree, I guess even even the non-religious, maybe what they're again. This is from my vantage point, but maybe they are doing what I was doing when I thought it was the atheist, and that is simply. Standing in, their, in contrast to what they believe is not unconditional love, and doing that because they do believe in unconditional love. I came to the conclusion that there wasn't any such creature out there. And I also came to the conclusion that anybody who believed in any such creature was an absolute idiot. That particular opinion lasted about maybe two or three months before I realized that I was being an absolute idiot. Lots of very smart and very fine and very decent people believed in a god, and that was part of their lives, maybe a little, maybe a lot. You know, branding people as, as, as being stupid for having come to a different conclusion was just as... Uh, as close-minded and simple-minded as the people in the cult that I had left. Basically, my opinion now is that I think a person's religious belief should be as trivial as their favorite sports team or their favorite flavor of ice cream. If you like Rocky Road and I like Chunky Monkey, that's 
nothing that should get in the way of us being friends, of us maybe getting together and accomplishing something, or just hanging out and having a conversation. The problem comes in when I say anyone who doesn't believe Chunky Monkey is the best ice cream is an evil heretic that deserves to die, uh, which is a position that a lot of religions take in one form or another. Belief, your religious belief, your belief in a god or not a god, your you know, metaphysics and any of this stuff is, uh, is trivial. Uh, but we can't get to that point until people stop trying to force their beliefs on other people by, for instance, teaching uh, creationism in schools or, um, you know, just pushing God on people at all, all the time. Um, you got to get to that, to the point where you say, you know, that, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to try and convince you with logic and reason. And, uh, if we can't, well, we'll just have to agree to disagree. I like that. I like basing things on logic and reason. If you can't agree on that, then agreeing to disagree, that's fairly civil. Matt, you have a, a religious background, and, I, and now would probably consider yourself more of an agnostic. Tell me if I'm correct about that. Which stats about right? I guess somewhat. I was just thinking uh, about the teaching creationism in schools. It's kind of funny because there really isn't much to teach about it other than to say, yes, it did happen because we are pretty much unable to create much of anything yet. You know, just to say that this did happen, it, it's sort of silly if you stand back and think about it. We really aren't prepared to go much further than just to say yes or no with evolution or with creationism. Uh, I have a number of sort of solid uh, Christian relatives that I speak with about evolution now because uh, they went to school, they studied, of course, biology. It's really mind-blowing, I mean, to realize there's 30 million species out there and to, to think of something like uh, one of my professors just mentioned the other day, like how did they fit all these <laughs> creatures on the ark? And it's just something that, that doesn't cross your mind until you're 17, 18. And uh, you just, you never question it. And, and the first time the question starts to arise, it doesn't really form into a defined question yet. You're just like, something's, when it does come into definition, then you're, you're not around anyone that you're allowed to ask. <laughs> yep. So. Yeah, there I, are, there are 450,000 separate and distinct species of beetles. Did Noah get two of every one of those on the ark? And usually the, the response that you'll get to that is something like, well, they, they changed from then. Oh, they evolved. I, I, I would disagree with you, though, as far as, as creation and evolution is concerned, and that is there is proof of evolution. We've actually seen it, we've documented it, we know what it, how it works, whereas creationism is just basically saying God did it. But it's just a... Just a way, whether it's uh, trying to figure out Darwin's theory or trying to uh, look back over your holy scripture and adding up you know, the lives of all those people and saying, okay, so the world's 5,000 years old or whatever. Isn't all of it just the same thing? Isn't it just all of us trying to figure out what life means?
old man turned off the radio Said, where did all of the old songs go? Kids sure play funny music these days They play it in the strangest ways Said it looks to me like they've all gone wild It was peaceful back when I was a child Well man, could it be that the girls and boys Are trying to be heard above your noise And the lonely voice of you cries What is true? little boy of three sitting on the floor looks up and says daddy what is war son that's when people fight and die a little boy of three says daddy why young man of 17 in sunday school being taught the golden rule and by the time another year's gone around it may be his turn to lay his life down can you blame the voice of you for asking what is true Sitting on the witness stand The man with the book says Raise your hand Repeat after me I solemnly swear The man looked down at his long hair And although the young man solemnly swore Nobody seemed to hear anymore And it didn't really matter If the truth was there It was the cut of his clothes And the length of his hair And the lonely voice of you Cries What is true young girl dancing to the latest beat has found new ways to move her feet. A young man speaking in the city square is trying to tell somebody that he cares. Yeah, the ones that you're calling wild are gonna be the leaders in a little while. This old world's waking to a newborn day and I solemnly swear that it'll be their way. You better help that voice of you find what is true. And the lonely voice of you cries, what is true? You know, there's a struggle, uh, struggle is maybe a little strong of a word, but a struggle I have is, is dealing with a world that is so linear, that uh, refuses to see things three-dimensionally. And you, you see, when you're me and you, you look at a world that can't seem to, separate God and religion, uh, let alone science and, and religion, you know, it's frustrating because uh, I was not raised with any religious belief at all. I had hippie parents, and uh, it just was never even mentioned. The name God was never even mentioned until God was mentioned by a friend when I was nine or ten. God was simply a word on the dollar bill and uh, something that was part of some pledge I was supposed to do at school. So it really was non-existent, and so I had a, a long series of uh, experiences in my life that led me to uh, the opinion I have now. So I do believe in a God. It's just that when I am, if I'm around other rational people, and I use the word that they immediately will uh, internally put me into a, a box in their, in their mind of, oh, he's a religious guy, and that's uh, pretty far from the truth for me. I think that with the argument of creationism and evolutionism, I definitely think that evolution should be viewed by those who have a belief in God as more of a, of a means. Oh. Of course, of course, life is complex. 
wanted, why would you need to think otherwise? Yeah. Well, it sounds to me like some of, some of the the skeptics that you that you dealt with or or at the, that point I was during that three months where I was being the idiot going around saying, "Oh, if you believe in God, you're stupid." And uh, I think most people outgrow that rather quickly. Again, based on facts and evidence, you know, I'm I'm not going to call Michelangelo or or Leonardo da Vinci stupid. Again, it's a matter of of, of tolerance. The problem I think that a lot of us a lot of atheists have is the sheer amount of damage that's done in the name of religion. I have a regular thing that I put on my blog that's uh, extremely popular called Things Atheists Didn't Do. It's just a list of some of the things that religious people have foisted upon each other and upon us. Some of them are, are just really laughably silly. You know, from you know, Baptists claiming that the price of gas went down because they prayed for it. Uh, one of my favorites was um, Orthodox Jews claiming that they were trapped in their apartment because the landlord had put an automatic uh, motion sensor light switch in the hallway. And they couldn't go out on the Sabbath without tripping the light switch. And so they were imprisoned in their apartment. You know, Muslims throwing acid in the faces of girls for simply wanting to go to school. And you see all those, those, those horrible things that are being done in the name of religion. We're real familiar with those and, you know, tick off a hundred of them off the top of our heads. And I think it's easy when you see someone, when you, you meet someone for the first time and they say, well, I, I believe in God, you make that association of, you know, the women with acid in their faces when in fact, you know, the guy that says, I believe in God, yeah, goes to church once or twice a month, collects money for charity, is is a good person, and isn't using his religion to do horrible things to horrible people. I think that's a mistake that some atheists and, and skeptics make, more atheists than skeptics, because they're, they're two different things, of, of lumping all religious people together, which is not a very healthy way to look at 90% of the population. Right. And I, I think you, something you said earlier is I believe I hold, which is that you, you, know, you, had, uh, you had a religious upbringing, and it's, it has always seemed to me that, that uh, I've had so many friends that I've, um, have had varying perspectives on, on what is the divine, what is God. And the people that seem to have the most trouble... Um, are those who were brought up in religious households, and then when they began to question it, uh, had to learn that they had to fight their way out from under all of this stuff that was pushed pushed into their minds since they were a kid. Leanne, who you were talking with earlier, had the same experience. Uh, Matt had a loving household, but but nonetheless, I think you'd agree, Matt, you, you kind of had to work out from under some of that as your life had gone on. No, I, I definitely had to work out from under some stuff. Actually, some of it still kind of tries to lean against me every once in a while. Um, my dad uh, sent me something last night, and um, it was a really interesting story, of course. Um, just like you listen to a bunch of different philosophers, and, it, well, if you're me anyway, <laughs> every time somebody's talking, they're so persuasive, and, and not like they're selling something, but they're they're they really believe if they really believe in what it is that they're 
expressing, and they have a, a logical flow to it, it's really hard not to totally agree with them while they're talking. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dr. Dobson, focused on the family, has um, some interesting stuff on a Christian radio station, and I basically never listened to it. Um, my parents used to have it on all the time. <laughs> but um, my dad uh, sent me an email saying there was this one inspiring story. And it was. It was about this guy that um, went... Um, whitewater rafting and one of his buddies basically got caught in a um, hydraulic and and it's it's what they call when the the water's swirling and pulls you under and holds you traps you underwater or you know might let you come up for a second and then pulls you back down and basically he was trapped in this hydraulic for um, an hour and a half and he lived and the whole time like his he, you know, his buddy was praying for him, and these other people stopped and prayed with him for for this guy, and uh, you know, nobody could understand how he stayed alive. Well, I'm not going to rush in and say that you know there wasn't some sort of spiritual intervention. Then, on the other the other hand, where where do you go from there? I mean, we all want to feel loved. We all want to feel something special. And I'm not saying it isn't there. And even if he has the all-time world record for being trapped underwater, that doesn't necessarily mean, of course, we're glad he's alive. But that doesn't really tell us how it is that he is. Some miracles happen to people who have no belief and do not pray. So I don't know. Let me ask a question. Why didn't they throw him a rope? Yeah, I guess they didn't. I guess they didn't have one with them. I, I don't know. There was four guys. Two of them uh, capsized. The other two were ahead, and they um, they were struggling themselves. And they rushed back. One of the guys floated downstream. The other one was was uh, still on some floatable device that was part of the boat, and he was like getting pulled under. Eventually, he disappeared and went under. The other guy, they were getting the water out of his lungs. I, basically, the, the one guy that was that was um, disappearing with the floatable device, uh, he just um, went under and didn't show up then for like, you know, over an hour after they had seen him, the last time they had seen him. So I, I don't know. I guess basically they brought him back to life in the hospital, whatever that took. He was out. I mean, science brought him back to life. God didn't yeah. bring him back to life. <laughs> yeah, to go to a hospital where there were doctors who were learned from science. Hmm. Well, so now you know, from from what we were saying, you know, what I had to work my way out under. You know, I want to I want to talk to my dad about this. I'm really busy right now, so I probably won't really be able to. But I want to I want to say, you know, my dad's. 62, well, it was going to be 63 soon, and his parents were really devout would be the word, you know, like they were really, uh, you know, like when you pray around the table, it's just, you, you can't even hear yourself think or yourself pray inside your head because they're just saying out loud while the other person's praying, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. So it's so ingrained in his um, whole, whole understanding of life that it would probably be really like, um, I mean, he, he just would not be able to process thoughts other than that. 
You know what I mean? He wouldn't be able to listen to an explanation of what carbon dating really is, you know, because it is the adversary to <laughs> what we what we learned already up to this point. And what good would it do him? I mean, if you were to succeed, it's like it's like all right, you got a seventy-five-year-old Jehovah's Witness, all right. One of my hobbies when witnesses come to the door is to mess with them. Uh, having been one, I know what their beliefs are, and I know how they have pat answers to just about any question that you can ask them. I know the questions they don't have pat answers to. I have you know left them just kind of sh- literally with their hands shaking because because they've been slammed to the mat gently over and over again. And my goal in doing that is to plant little seeds of doubt that may, at some point, blossom and make them say, this is garbage, and escape. But, you know, the other day, actually, you know, a couple of months ago, I had this really nice old lady, she's like 75 years old, come and offer me a watchtower, and I wasn't going to do that to her. Because what am I going to do, rip her out of her cult, and where she'll be abandoned by all of her friends and family and everything she's known for her whole life? Uh, that's not going to accomplish anything. It's not going to be any good for her or any good for anybody. So, yeah, it, you know, when when you're dealing with folks who are, are really ingrained in their ways, I think the, the best thing that you can do is try and change their minds as far as their perception of people who believe differently or who don't believe and just leave it at that and, you know, just let them believe what they want to. But say, okay, well, look, do you see where the atheist group, uh, you know, went to the soup kitchen or, or whatever, and just try and uh, maybe smooth out some of their prejudices a little bit. Do you think it's possible that um, we could all come to a place at some point and see that our beliefs are all functions of our past experiences? I mean, it, it's hard to say no to that, but yet it sort of seems like it takes away our ability to, to look ahead and choose, or does it not? I mean, are, are our beliefs and deities or whatever we choose to believe, is it just a direct function of depends upon what we have experienced before? Like, how would you express that? Because if it is, then everybody could come together and at least have some some kind of uniting understanding of how life works and beliefs. Well, yeah, I, I- I think you're absolutely right because if you're in, if you grew up in India, you, you have grown up in a society with a completely different set of gods. They don't have one god; they have multiple gods. You know, they have they have an entirely different set of gods. And so you know, so a lot of the people that are are hardcore Christians now um, would be hardcore Hindus if they had grown up in uh, India, or, or you know, they might be Jainists, or they might be, believe in, 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 in tribal gods if they'd grown up in Africa. So yeah, we're certainly all very much a product of, of our environment.
days after the hurricane hit down in New Orleans, the president's plan was for a day of prayer. I would have thought a truck of food. A day of prayer. Now, uh, maybe I'm mistaken here, and again, I'm not, I'm not a scientific expert, but isn't a hurricane officially an act of God? Isn't a day of prayer kind of redundant? The president has us do a day of prayer. Three days later, Hurricane Rita hits. Somebody must have said something during the day of prayer or something like, is that all you got, bitch? When it comes to believing in God, I really tried. I really, really tried. I tried to believe that there is a God who created each of us in his own image and likeness, loves us very much, and keeps a close eye on things. I really tried to believe that, but I gotta tell you, the longer you live, the more you look around, the more you realize something is fucked up. Something is wrong here. War, disease, death, destruction, hunger, filth, poverty, torture, crime, corruption, and the ice capades. Something is definitely wrong. This is not good work. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Results like these do not belong on the resume of a supreme being. This is the kind of shit you'd expect from an office tent with a bad attitude. And just between you and me, in any decently run universe, this guy would have been out on his all-powerful ass a long time ago. If there is a God, if there is, I think most reasonable people might agree that he's at least incompetent and maybe, just maybe, doesn't give a shit. Which I admire in a person and which would explain a lot of these bad results. You know who I prayed to? Joe Pesci. Two reasons. First of all, I think he's a good actor, okay? To me, that counts. Second, he looks like a guy who can get things done. In fact, Joe Pesci came through on a couple of things that God was having trouble with. So I've been praying to Joe for about a year now, and I noticed something. I noticed that all the prayers I used to offer to God and all the prayers I now offer to Joe Pesci are being answered at about the same 50% rate. Half the time I get what I want, half the time I don't. Same as God, 50-50. Same as the four-leaf clover, the horseshoe, the rabbit's foot, and the wishing well. Same as the mojo man. Same as the voodoo lady who tells you your fortune by squeezing the goat's testicles. It's all the same, 50-50. So just pick your superstition, sit back, make a wish, and enjoy yourself. And for those of you who look to the Bible for its literary qualities and moral lessons, I got a couple of other stories I might like to recommend for you. You might enjoy The Three Little Pigs. That's a good one. Has a nice, happy ending. Then there's Little Red Riding Hood. 
finally, I've always drawn a great deal of moral comfort from Humpty Dumpty. The Potter liked the best. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. That's because there is no Humpty Dumpty and there is no God. None, not one, never was no God. In fact, I'm going to put it this way. There is a God, may he strike me dead. See, nothing happened. Oh, wait, got a little cramp in my leg. Oh, now I'm okay again. Must have been Joe Pesci, huh? <laughs> <laughs>